At this point, we all know where things are at for FTX as embattled founder Sam Bankman-Fried, or SBF as most people refer to him. If you want more details about how all this happened, make sure to check out my previous podcast on SBF and how his personal lawyers have stopped representing him. In today's podcast, I want to focus on the topic of the financial experts and accountants on both the FTX side and the ones representing the large institutions that invested significant dollars into FTX. How could seemingly sophisticated and normally risk-averse financial professionals miss the red flags about FTX? And what does this mean for potential regulatory changes, if any? Welcome to This Professional Life, a podcast by Convos Media about trending topics related to all things in the professional services world, from lawyers to accountants and other business-to-business service providers. Hi, everyone. I'm Chris, and welcome to this episode where we shift our focus from SBF's legal situation onto the FTX situation and the financial professionals that have been seemingly non-existent in both the FTX camp and the large institutional camps that invested millions into the cryptocurrency exchange. Now, before we start this episode, please note that I'm not a lawyer or designated financial expert, and everything discussed on this podcast is just my opinion based on research I've compiled from various sources. So let's bring you up to speed on the FTX side of things and how things have unfolded over the last week. As the next step in the collapse of one of the biggest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world, newly appointed FTX CEO John Ray filed a declaration with the United States Bankruptcy Court for Delaware earlier on Thursday, November 17th. For those of you who don't know, Ray, previous to this role, assisted Enron in navigating its own bankruptcy. Enron, of course, was the massive energy derivatives and trading entity that collapsed overnight in December of 2001. It would soon be one of the largest scandals to hurt the financial markets in the United States. So suffice it to say, John Ray definitely has the level of understanding beyond most people when it comes to sifting through essentially a garbage dump fire. In a recent CNBC report, John Ray was quite blunt about the status of FTX and the actions of the former management team, calling it one of the worst instances of corporate controls he had ever seen. SBF, the former CEO of Alameda Research and FTX, was singled out by Ray in a public statement he made for the inability of management to recognize and resolve a startling multi-billion dollar hole in the company's balance sheet. Ray is quoted as saying, never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. Yikes. And coming from someone who oversaw the $74 billion in shareholder losses during the Enron scandal. Ooh boy. John Ray has indicated that significant forensic accounting will need to be done to figure out where the financials truly are, as the current state of the audited financial statements are not reliable. Forensic accounting, for those who don't know, utilizes accounting, auditing, and investigative skills to examine the finances of businesses. Typically, forensic accountants are CPAs or chartered public accountants that look for evidence of crimes and commonly work for insurance companies, financial institutions, and law enforcement agencies. Some reports are also starting to surface that have described the opulent benefits that FTX employees supposedly received in the Bahamas. Well, isn't that interesting? According to John Ray's court declaration, company monies were occasionally utilized to buy residences for advisors and workers under their names. Loans from FTX to these individuals were not documented. Instead, according to Ray, people received 
free and clear deeds to these homes in their own name. So, you know, free apartments, free cars, free luxury items if you're part of SBF Circle. Not documented. Go figure. As reported by Semaphore, the Albany Resort was a secluded community that housed SBF and his employees. And as you can see in some of these photos here, the digs were not too shabby. It's a gated property that included a marina for mega yachts and had numerous equestrian trails for those who loved horses. <laughs> by the way, residences start at $5 million, while SBF's five-bedroom penthouse was recently listed for $40 million. Unbelievable. When it came to internal expense controls, no surprises here. John Ray noted that FTX did not have the type of disbursement controls that I believe are appropriate for a business enterprise. So he gave an example where employees of the FTX group would submit payment requests through their online chat platform, which I believe was Slack, and a group of supervisors approved disbursements by responding with, you know, personal emojis. Really? Emojis? No expense reports, no upper management sign-off for approvals. <sighs> All this to say, the situation that is being uncovered is that FTX essentially had no accounting department. It was basically a free-for-all for the executive's employees to do however they saw fit to spend the billions of dollars in client funds. So what about external audits? What's interesting is that there seems to be all sorts of third-party auditors and companies that exist to verify client funds when it comes to cryptocurrencies and exchanges. As reported by the Wall Street Journal, when FTX faced a liquidity crunch, the auditor of this U.S. unit seized the moment to promote its services for other crypto companies that were under the spotlight. Armanino LLP, the FTX U.S. auditor, tweeted... Of course they tweeted. It's a great time to remember Armanino's LLP specialized crypto assurance, referring to a product that verifies customer assets held by crypto firms. Armanino audited FTX last year amongst a significant amount of other crypto firms who some have also collapsed. Interestingly enough, Binance, the biggest crypto exchange, said it is working on a so-called proof of reserves report, a type of third-party verification that isn't quite a full audit of the company's books, but they hope would give customers a level of assurance that reserves were intact. FTX Trading, the international arm of FTX, was audited by mid-sized firm Prager Matis. According to its website, has 24 global locations and is the first accounting company to open a location in the metaverse. Can't say I'm surprised about this. Of course, the metaverse. Why not? where cold hard cash is no good and decentralized crypto is the currency of choice. And sarcasm is like a second language to me. According to the financial accounts, the firm's Hackensack, New Jersey branch awarded FTX Trading a clear audit opinion for the previous year. I wonder if they still think that. Now, this next part of the whole situation has been a puzzler for me. The other things I just talked about, I can't say I'm overly surprised, but this one has got to be a big head scratcher. For those of you who don't know, Ontario Teachers Pension Plan is a massive organization in my country here in Canada. In fact, they are one of the largest pension plans in the world and manages the investment of teachers across the province of Ontario. Just to give you some numbers, Ontario Teachers Pension Plan manages investments for 183,000 educators and it pays pensions to some 148,000 retirees in Ontario. Assets under management currently sit at just over 220 billion Canadian 
$10. I was a teacher many years ago, and I remember being in awe of the returns the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan would achieve versus the returns our local retirement fund provided. They still continue to this day to be a very well-run organization that's able to achieve significant returns to maintain its obligations to retired teachers. Here are some notable investments they've made just in case you weren't quite convinced of their size and their prowess. Significant real estate holdings through its subsidiary that owns massive real estate entities such as Cadillac Fairview, properties including Toronto Dominion Centre, Toronto Eaton Centre, the Pacific Centre in Vancouver, the Rideau Centre in Ottawa, and White City Place in London, UK. So for the US viewers, these are very significant landmarks here in Canada, and they are massive and very high in asset value. Ontario Teachers also owns Camelot Group PLC, which holds an exclusive license to operate the UK National Lottery. From 2003 to 2012, the fund was the principal owner of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, the parent organization of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Raptors, Toronto FC, and the Toronto football team, the Argonauts. The Ontario Teachers Pension Plan is no amateur when it comes to investing, and they're no slouch in the private equity world. Now, to be very clear, Ontario Teachers Pension Plan invests $75 million into FTX International, which is a drop in a bucket in comparison to their entire $220 billion portfolio. When I do the math on this, that's 0.033% of their portfolio. So compare that when looking at individuals who are investing, most financial planners would tell you not to allocate more than 5%, if that, to ultra risky investments. So I don't think you can say Ontario Teachers Pension Plan did anything to harm the safety of the client's funds. In addition, it was invested through their Teachers Venture Growth Fund, which was established in 2019 to invest in emerging technology companies raising late stage venture and growth capital. That being said, how the f*** did FTX International get past the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan's due diligence checks, considering everything we are finding out now about the auditors and lack of checks and balances internally? In a recent press release, OTPP stated that in FTX's case, our underwriting process included working closely with third-party advisors and FTX to explore commercial, regulatory, tax, financial, technical, and other matters. Recognizing that no due diligence process can uncover all risks, especially in the context of an emerging technology business, the investment in FTX was sized moderately in relation to TVG and the overall portfolio of the plan. I still feel that there are significant questions regarding the level of financial due diligence that all these seemingly sophisticated organizations normally conduct. Let's be honest, it was a reporter at Coindesk that started unraveling this entire dumpster fire that is now FTX and SBF. I don't think financial professionals involved in the process would ever publicly come out and be a whistleblower to their own millions of dollars invested, but it will be interesting to see in the coming investigations if any of them actually did meet with FTX executives to discuss irregularities or concerns at any period during their investment. We obviously don't have any evidence currently that there was any collusion or backdoor financial deals with these outside investors and their due diligence people. Although on the marketing and influencer side, there was definitely lots of compensation to get the word out to unsophisticated investors to invest in the cryptocurrency.
So is all this crypto hype doomed to failure? What happens to audits and what are financial professionals supposed to do under regulatory requirements? Part of John Ray's initial discussions of FTX is that the audit's failure to examine the efficiency of the FTX company's internal controls is one of their biggest weaknesses that he has identified. A law implemented in the wake of the Enron scandal requires checks on accounting controls to be included in audits of the major and largely public traded businesses. However, no rule really has been implemented for private businesses like FTX, and therefore many of these private crypto companies are exempt from this obligation. And also the fact that the main FTX arm was operating out of the Bahamas without a lot of controls. What's interesting is that even various accounting regulatory bodies have recognized the need for more controls when it comes to cryptocurrency audits. The Institute of Chartered Accountants in England states right on the website that cryptocurrencies are still a bit of an unknown entity when it comes to audit and assurance in relation to what considerations auditors need to take when looking at cryptocurrencies. They say that although it has existed for more than a decade, cryptocurrency is still somewhat of a novelty. Any official guidance is almost non existent. As a result, it can be extremely difficult to audit. I think what is sad in all of this is that FTX was a relatively rare example of crypto companies that did have a full audit under generally accepted accounting principles. Well, allegedly. SBF at one time held this as a milestone as private companies aren't required to audit or publish their financial statements. While I feel that crypto will eventually have some type of future in our world, unfortunately, greed that takes over some of these projects will continue to hamper user and investor confidence in the decentralization of global currencies. I guess we should all just stick with our good old cash for now. So the final takeaway is that I think one of the only positives out of the crypto world is the actual technology that these currencies are built on, which is the blockchain technology. When you look at the core of blockchain technology, it does allow outside auditors to access information in real time. So technically data could be readily available for auditors to do a thorough review. That being said, there's a need for automation and analytics and some type of AI machine learning capability for auditors to to obtain this audit evidence as the information is encrypted. This, of course, will lead to the need for new procedures to be developed to obtain audit information in totally new ways. Just like all traditional professional service industries, they are always the last to adopt new technologies. So it's no wonder that things like third-party audits and checks and balances are still behind in ensuring that the public is protected or at least given the best information before they invest in new opportunities. Thanks for joining me on this episode of This Professional Life. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening from so that you get notified whenever we release a new episode. Also, if you're a professional looking for help to grow your practice, don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to have a chat with you about how digital content can amplify your business development efforts. Take care. I'll catch you in the next episode. Yeah.